Red Business with Jonathan Healy. Hi there, and thanks for joining us. Coming up on this episode, we're going to talk about the Cork Company of the Year Awards because they're coming around already, believe it or not, if you're looking to nominate somebody. And we're going to find out what's happening up in Cork Airport over the winter months. It's going to be busy, which is good. But our first guest co-founded an online healthcare platform that is unique globally. It was launched here earlier this year. It's called Gabadoo. It's been launched in the UK in a couple of weeks' time, and they've already set their sights on the US, on Canada, and Australia as well. Its aim is to relieve the stress of the unknown for families and to make allied healthcare available for everyone who needs it. Sean Otuma is one of the founders. How you doing, Sean? Hey, Jonathan. Thanks for having me on. It's lovely to talk to you. Thank you for joining us. What is Allied Healthcare, first of all? Tell us what you do. So Allied Healthcare incorporates 13 different professions, but what we're focused on at the moment is occupational therapy and speech and language therapy. Um, So our our, our name, a lot of people ask us about where our name Gavadu came from, and I suppose I'll start with that. And it comes from a neurotransmitter in the brain uh, called the GABA that helps to reduce stress and anxiety. And that's exactly what we're trying to do for parents around the world. Um, I suppose parents have a million questions about their child's development, but accessing expert support is next to impossible. Um, I suppose all parents have questions about things like bedtime routines and, you know, handwriting or study skills or for you know, teens and young adults that might be school or college related skills. But trying to get the right individualized support is very difficult. And a lot of families just go to maybe their their, their GP or their public health nurse. But their only option at the moment is to send them to a, a private or a public waiting list and they're waiting anywhere from a minimum of 12 months to up to five years in some parts of the country. So our platform allows families to get quick access from these developmental experts um, in a really easy, convenient and affordable way through their phone. Okay, so in other words, is, is, is you're putting them in contact with private practitioners then, are you? Yeah, so what we've been doing over the last 12 months is we've been building our team. So we were actually the largest source of pediatric allied healthcare in Europe already. So we've got over 70 therapists from across the HSE, the NHS and the private sector. And they've been onboarding with us over the last uh, number of months. And when they're doing their onboarding, they input all of their areas of experience. So then when a parent comes onto our platform, they select, let's say, handwriting. They can upload videos and images of their child doing handwriting along with very detailed notes. And that gets sent into our system, which matches them with one of our team who's experienced with handwriting. So they're always getting support from a therapist who has experience in the area they're looking for support with. And all of the therapists, I suppose, we've never advertised. We've never um, spent anything on marketing it's all grown organically and that's we've built our team to over 70 because a lot of therapists are now looking for flexible and, and remote work. Yeah, it, it's it's a it's a very big area um, that there are many different specialties. Do you limit the number of specialties that can use the service or is it pretty open ended for anyone who who wants to come and join? So at the moment, it's they have to have a, a minimum uh, of two years to be able to onboard with us, but they, they have to be either an occupational therapist or a speech and language therapist. And we've kind of, we don't, we, we're typically saying child development experts because firstly, a lot of people don't know what an occupational therapist is. Uh, and secondly, there is, uh, therapy is a big word and there is a bit of a stigma around it. So we, we've taken away that stigma completely through our platform and making it just easy to access for all parents who might have a question or a concern about their child's development. And it's it's a huge asset for 
families with kids who do, let's say, have a, a developmental delay or a diagnosis of some sort and that they can quickly access support. But, but I would say 50% of our users are, are, are families with children who just have questions about day-to-day things and not being able to get any individualized support. Yeah. And what t- tends to end up happening is they go into Google and they get tons of information, but it's they see the worst thing first and it's nearly an information overload for them. Yeah, it, 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 it sounds it like you're, you're solving actually. frustration because the biggest frustration parents have is A, we don't know who to talk to, B, we don't know how long yeah. we're going to be waiting to talk to them. So it is the purpose of this exercise to remove that stress and anxiety from the parents and get the child the help they need quickly? That's exactly it. I mean, we've had a number of, of parents come on now. And one, for example, she went to her GP. She was looking for support around her child's speech. She, she just felt he should have more words. She was referred onto a waiting list for 18 months. But I think the second that the, the GP referred her onto the waiting list, it kind of planted a seed of, is there something more going on here? Is there an issue here that I'm kind of unaware of? Why am I sitting on this waiting list to access expert support where... Then she found out about our platform. She was able to come on, submit a review, and she got support in six hours. And that child is still able to get support on our platform without having to be on a waiting list, either privately or publicly, and taking a valuable space for a family that may need that face-to-face support. Um, You're looking at spreading internationally as well. Is this a, a problem that has been identified in other countries? So the other markets I mentioned at the start there, Britain and Australia, do they have a similar issue to access as we have in this country? Yeah, they have a huge issue, yeah. And, and particularly it goes back to that issue of parents with kids who just have day-to-day questions or day-to-day concerns. Um, parents are unable to access these experts easily. In, in, in the UK, you're, you're still waiting a minimum of 12 months and it's all about accessing support early. So if there is an, an issue there, that it can be solved before it becomes embedded. Um, in the UK, it's, we've, we, we've about, a lot of the therapists we have from the UK are NHS or, or, and some are private practitioners, but they're all be working um, on the evenings or weekends and it's fully remote for them so it really suits their lifestyle and the main thing is that we've brought a number of therapists back into working as therapists also as they'd left because they were you know, pursuing PhDs they left due to family commitments or they had retired because being a pediatric therapist can be quite a physical job so this allows them to work okay. uh, fully flexibly and fully remotely and then they can provide support to families which is their their main their main goal and why they became therapists in the first place. We have to talk about your business partner um, because when couples get married, sometimes they take up hill walking, sometimes they take (laughs) up stamp collecting. You have gone into this new business model with your wife, who you've only been married to for how long? Uh, Well, uh, a month and a half, yeah. So it's been put off a few years because of COVID, but uh, we got there in the end. And how? what's her background? Jess is an occupational therapist, so that's kind of where the the idea came from. Initially, we'd been seeing this problem for years. Jess is a private practitioner. She has her own private practice in Cork, and her waiting lists are, you know, minimum six months, usually more like 12 months. Um, And over the years, we've just been seeing the issue of the demand increasing and increasing and increasing, but the supply of therapists isn't increasing at all and the issues is the inefficiencies in the system that are there at the moment uh, both publicly and privately because when a family take when a therapist takes on a family privately or publicly there's a huge amount that comes with it whereas our platform has created a kind of barrier 
between the family and the therapist, but it's also allowing the family to get support quickly. Jess is the chief clinical officer in the company, so she takes care of all the, the clinical side. The um, she, We onboard every therapist, so she interviews all of the therapists and goes through their history to make sure they're a good fit for the platform because what we're very... Uh, what we really want is it to be a platform where families can come on and get stigma-free support um, that's routine-based and motivates their child to be able to um, improve with any skill that they may be struggling with. What's the website if people need to look it up, Sean? Gabadoo.com. So that's G-A-B-A-D-O-O.com. Sean O'Toole, best of luck to yourself and Jess, and thanks so much for taking the time to talk to us. Cheers, Jonathan. Thank you. Now, if you are thinking of leaving Cork this winter, now, why would you leave Cork, I hear you say, but you might be going for business or you might be going for pleasure. The good news is there is a great choice of destinations travelling from Cork Airport. The team has unveiled the biggest winter schedule for years, which given the last two years wouldn't be that hard, but more importantly, it has Ryanair's biggest ever winter flight listing for Cork. Communications manager at Cork Airport is Barry Holland. How are you doing, Barry? I'm very good, Jonathan. You're very welcome to Red Business. Thanks for joining us. This is pretty big, isn't it? Because when I was looking at the list of destinations in Ryanair, normally Cork Airport traditionally would have gotten a little quieter uh, during the winter months, but you're just going gangbusters up there. It's 1.1 million seats available from the end of October right through to the end of March across 27 routes, and that's served by five airlines. So it's an incredibly large winter schedule by comparison to previous years. We're incredibly pleased with it and we hope that it will offer great choice to passengers from across Cork, across Munster and the south of Ireland when they're looking to plan their getaway this winter. Now, we'll come to the, the, the old reliables, as we'll call them, in just a bit, but there's new destinations in there as well. The people have been looking for the Rome route to be restored and Ryanair have obliged. They have indeed. Rome has been requested heavily for the past 10 years or so. So we're very pleased to have Ryanair serving Rome, uh, Fiumicino Airport this winter. They'll be operating on both Mondays and Fridays, so it creates a perfect opportunity for that uh, the five-day getaway to Rome or perhaps a weekend break in Rome. Uh, again, as it's a fantastic destination, one of Europe- the European uh, capital cities, heavily requested, and it's going to be a huge success. The, uh, from our understanding, the forward bookings in Rome are incredibly positive at the moment. So it's one of our it's one of our pr- uh, top routes this winter that will be offered at the Cork Airport. Mm. We have the other airlines you mentioned as well. KLM uh, have been a great addition to the airport. Uh, they're hanging around, are they? KLM joined in the middle of the COVID-19 pandemic in a, f- a very uncertain period for the airport. And we're delighted that they're continuing their double daily service to Amsterdam which will allow passengers from Cork to connect to any major, practically any major destination across the world and any four corners of the globe through connecting Amsterdam. So they're operating a double daily service to Amsterdam and Aer Lingus will continue to operate their service to Amsterdam as well. They'll be operating a daily service. And Vuelung, is it, I, I can never pronounce it properly, is it Vuelung? They're going, they're keeping the Paris Vueling. or Vuelung, Vuelung are part of the IAG group, which will be the same group as British Airways, Iberia and Aer Lingus. They're operating a twice-weekly service to Paris Orly. Again, a superb destination in the wintertime uh, for a winter getaway, uh, whether it is only a couple of days or whether it is a bit longer. Paris, at any time of year, is a beautiful place to go. So we're delighted that Welling are serving the Paris Orly route this winter. What's interesting is that the airport bounced back so quickly. Um, you're, you're still not there as to where you were prior to COVID, but I'm guessing you're not too far away now, are you, Barry? So what we the, the high point before COVID, Jonathan, was in 2019, where there was 2.6 million passengers. Had, uh, we, we welcomed 2.6 million passengers in 2019 at Cork Airport. The forecasts at the start of 2022 
were for 1.8 million passengers. But given the bounce back in international travel and the addition of a number of new Ryanair routes this summer and winter, we're now forecasting that 2.1 million passengers will travel to, to travel to and from Cork Airport uh, over the course of the year 2022. So the upward, uh, upward, the revision upward of 300,000 passengers is is a great testament to the bounce back of the airport. It's a great testament to the aviation sector generally, and we're delighted that it is going in a very positive trajectory after two incredibly tough years. I mean, you've had an easy enough gig in communications in Cork Airport because anyone who's flown through it in the last couple of months has realised how easy it is and how stress-free it is. And to be fair, I wouldn't fly out of anywhere else if I had a choice uh, other than Cork. I I know you don't want to talk ill of of your brothers and sisters up in Dublin, but Cork has had a good bit of PR this year. We've seen passengers come from as far as Galway, Mayo, Offaly, Kildare, even Dublin, along the East Coast, Wicklow, Wexford, and we've been delighted to see them come to Cork Airport. Cork Airport, being the state's second largest airport, does also have a superb list of destinations to offer passengers. It offers convenience, convenient parking, very near parking practically on the doorstep, a short walk to the terminal, swift security queues, a short walk to the gate, and you're on your like you've seen you've seen, you know, the metrics, people have been measuring it, getting from car to door to security to the plane all within half an hour 45 minutes now we wouldn't advise that generally we'd advise to leave plenty of time obviously to have a very positive airport experience take a browser on the loop shopping uh, some of uh, have something to eat maybe a cup of coffee and um, but it is a very relaxed environment and it's a very swift environment it's award-winning service that we have here in cork, cork airport winner of the aci europe uh, international airport of the year under five million passengers in both 2017 and 2019 so it's it's a very it, the experience at Cork Airport is second to none well we're going to be talking about awards in just a bit of put in yourselves for the awards again this year because they're definitely if it's anything to do with the public and their perception they, they'll sing your praises Barry I presume all of the routes are up on the website are they? They will be Jonathan in the course of the next fortnight the schedules are, are just being finalised at present we do know the routes that will, will be on offer, so the routes will be available on the website, but then the finer details when it comes to scheduling and timetabling, etc., we would refer passengers onto the timetable sections of the, the relevant airlines that they'd have a better idea as well. But we will have the, all the all 27 routes this winter up on the website very shortly. CorkAirport.com is where you need to go. Barry Holland, Communications Manager with Cork Airport. Pleasure as always. Thanks, Barry. Thank you, Jonathan. Now, if you feel you own or work somewhere that deserves to be recognised as a Cork Company of the Year, you'd better get moving because the closing date is fast approaching for nominations in the Cork Chamber Business of the Year Awards for 2023. A real highlight in the business calendar. They have a terrible MC, but that's beside the point. And we're always delighted to welcome uh, to Red Business the Chamber CEO, Connor Healy. How are you doing, Connor? Great, Jonathan. Good to hear from you. Uh, lovely to talk to you. Look, we'll get to the awards in just a minute, but we've had time to digest the budget a little bit more now. Um, what is the sense amongst the business community about how it has gone down, whether it, it ticks the box for what we need at our current time of crisis? Well, I suppose the first thing to be said is, look, the budget is was extremely large. Um, you know, 11 billion, you know, that, that's uh, unprecedented in terms of what I was seeking to address. A lot of that is driven by some of the challenges that are out there at the moment impacting you know on society as a whole and, and obviously also on on business so look i think we're very 
pleased to see the scale of it and that it's tackling a lot of the big issues out there. And look, clearly there was a very big focus on, you know, trying to put something in people's pockets to alleviate the challenges in terms of energy bills coming through the door over the next number of months. And that's absolutely welcome because, of course, if you take some of the pressure off at home, that results in spend out in the wider economy um, and, and so on. So that's that's hugely welcome. And, and some of the core issues, though, I, I think it, it left a little bit to be desired. You know, you take the, the business support scheme that was introduced you know, while it looks great as 1.25 billion of a scheme, I think when you get into the nuts and bolts of it, it does it do, it will need some additional work. You know, covering 40% only of the increase uh, over that period of time just won't be enough for many businesses. You know, those businesses that are severely challenged with the increases, and you're talking about up to five times uh, of increase for certain industries. The average probably being around two to three times. Um, but nonetheless, it's a very big increase and businesses with tight margins or with other challenges in their business just simply won't have the, the level of funding available to meet those, meet those needs regardless of this level of support. So mm-hmm. I think government are going to have to go back and look at that. They have indicated, to be fair, over the last number of days that depending on the, the scale of funding coming via the EU, um, uh, that, that, that they may well be able to revisit that and look at the scheme again in greater detail as we get towards the finance bill and so, so on. So look, we'll be engaging and we are engaging with them in that regard uh, and, and hopefully there'll be improvements there. I suppose we, we, um, we never really kind of anticipated another existential threat so quickly after COVID because COVID, let's face it, is a once in a lifetime, fingers crossed, uh, uh, issue that we had to deal with. But then we were hit by this energy crisis and it, it's terrible to see businesses closing, Connor, in, in an environment where the consumer still wants to spend and you see restaurants in particular seem to be hardest here saying that they just can't afford to go on and, and that's going to have a knock-on effect throughout the economy. It does and, and our, our message would be they don't need to, to close having come through you know the most difficult of times for a couple of years with, with COVID and government did a really good job in terms of addressing those issues. I think they, they need to ensure that you know all of that good work isn't lost by not going far enough in what hopefully will be a relatively short Live period of this this level of increase in inflation um, uh, over over the next you know months and certainly getting through the heavy uh, period of the of the winter time is really really important. But on some of the, the wider issues, Janet as, as well that we would have raised in our own with government on our own um, pre budget submission, you know areas like housing, you know we still have significant challenges and are not making enough progress on in terms of accommodation. It is a big issue impacting on businesses that are trying to grow, that are trying to hire people. Um, and we simply need more accommodation coming on stream. And it cuts across all areas of, of society. There's, there's issues in terms of homelessness, clearly, that have to be addressed. And then, you know, there's, there is a focus on, with government on the social and affordable housing programmes and trying to get that moving, but really in terms of private sector development mm-hmm. um, and particularly city centre, brownfield, apartment-type development, okay. uh, there is simply no activity. Okay. And the reason is that there's a lack of viability in terms of that that element of the market yeah. and government just has not uh, got to grips with that and has not dealt with that appropriately so that's something we're continuing to engage uh, with the man uh, through through the various ministries and and are engaging particularly with uh, with the minister for housing over the next number of weeks in that regard as well, well we I, simply I, need movement in that area i have bad news for you connor because i was at the cif conference at parky cave recently and and the general consensus amongst all of the builders there no one's putting a shovel in the ground until there's clarity on pricing. Uh, so if we're expecting a huge rush of apartments to be built next year, we're, we're, we're kidding ourselves. Even houses where, where the margins are, should be slightly more manageable, they're not going to commence either. No one's putting a shovel in the ground 
until they know they're going to be able to afford to finish the project. And that's going to have a real impact on the city's ability to grow according to the plan. It will. And, and that's what government is going to have to address. And, you know, this isn't just a Cork issue. It's a national issue. Um, and, you know, I think while some progress has been made, you know, there are there are policy changes that need to be brought about that will make it attractive for for developers to to go and build those houses and build those apartments you know we have a supply problem uh, the supply can only be can only come from those who have the capacity to build and at the moment those who had that capacity to build can't see a return in doing okay. so so that has to be addressed all right let, let's park that there let's talk about something slightly more cheerful the cork company of the year awards which are only a, when did we hand them out about five months ago and you're you're looking for them to apply already you're getting you're you're getting yourself organized fairs early this time are you well, we are. I suppose we got our normal run a bit. Was a bit out of uh, out of kilter with uh, with COVID and so on. So we had our annual dinner and awards just back in May, uh, down in Parky Cueve. Um, but we're back to normal service back in City Hall on the first Friday uh, in February. Um, so very much looking forward to that. But uh, that results in the process in terms of the Cork Company of the Year Awards getting underway um, over the next number of weeks, uh, October fourteenth being the deadline for initial applications. And look, John, this is a really positive story it's a, the 25th year uh, of these awards so recognizing success is really important uh, for, for business we've got some fantastic businesses in cork who are doing really really well you know they're growing they're in exciting new sectors they're in traditional sectors they're in family business they're pretty much all across the board and you know, we we really want to celebrate that success and that starts with companies uh, either nominating themselves or being nominated uh, into those awards so we're very much looking forward to that moving on over the next few weeks okay well we look forward to seeing who's putting themselves in for those awards tell me and remind me again of how people can get details i presume it's all on the website it's all on, on corkchamber.ie but and and just very quickly Jonathan, in terms of categories there, there are four the emerging company of the year for businesses under four years in business the sme company of the year with for less than 75 employees for those with more than 75 employees the large company of the year and for companies in the international marketplace the cork international company of the year so all the details all the information is on is on our website corkchamber.ie and click through to the cork company of the year award section okay connor it's an absolute pleasure connor healy CEO of Cork Chamber. Thanks very much for joining us. And that's it from this particular episode of Red Business. Thank you so much for listening. Don't forget you can download every episode right now from the website redfm.ie. Karen McDonough was the producer and we'll catch you on the next one. Get the Red Business Podcast every week with Jonathan Healy at redfm.ie and wherever you get your podcasts.